0: This is the Trout Bitten Podcast.
1: Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten.
0: This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swantoski. I'm the owner of Troutbitten and the author of Troutbitten.com. Night fishing requires sacrifice. High catch rates are exchanged for a few fish that are large enough to fill out the net. A hopeful bargain. Visual excitement is traded for the adrenaline rush, sustained by roaming among the unseen. And sleeping hours are swapped for calm, reclusive minutes apart from the otherwise resting world. River hours pass unusually in the darkness. Time moves as if accelerated, and by early morning an angler might wonder if he dreamed some part of the adventure. In the end, all sacrifices are reckoned, and every night fisher estimates their worth with heavy eyes behind the headlights, wheels turning, confronting loneliness between the painted lines. Welcome to Episode 2, Season 8 of the Trout Pit and Podcast Skills Series, Night Fishing for Trout. I'm here with a few of my best fishing friends, my only night fishing buddies, and tonight we're here to consider light. First, the naturals like moonlight and starlight. Then we'll talk about city lights and other artificials like our own flashlights and headlamps. Lastly, we'll discuss the use of glow-in-the-dark stuff like fly lines, indicators, and more. There's a lot to tackle here, so let's get right into it. This is a skills series after all. I'll start by introducing my friends with a quick question. Guys, what are your favorite weather conditions and river conditions for night fishing? Austin Dando, what do you think? Yeah, so I
2: like sort of a below average uh, flow uh, for the summertime. Ideally, some low light conditions. Um, I find that hot days, like hot consecutive days followed by cool nights uh, Mm. produce as well. Uh, And I also like moving water. So knee deep runs and transition seams off those runs.
0: Nice. Josh Darling, what do you what do you have, bud? What do you like best?
3: Oh, I like it dark. No. <laughs> <laughs> like Good like start. Nighttime. No, I like a low crescent moon, hmm. clear skies, plenty of starlight, but the moon not above the trees that I'm fishing. Okay. What about the river? I like the river. Hmm. Let's say two weeks since the last rain in the nice, summer. Nice, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Weather. Well, you said kind of clearish, humid. Yeah, I'm gonna say a clear night. Mm-hmm. And what Austin said makes sense to me, but I have a lot of good memories of humid nights. Do you? I hmm. do. I like the crisp nights, which let's say they're less humid. I like those better, but I but I have big fish memories on humid huh,
0: nights. Nice. Hey, Trevor Smith, Dr. Trevor Smith, what do you have, bud? What's your What are your favorite weather and river conditions for night fishing?
3: I
1: also like humid nights. Mm. I like still humid nights. I like certainly, I don't know, two weeks is great, at least a week since it rained last so that things can be, clarity can be at its best. I also dislike bright moonlight. I don't care if it's faint moonlight, but bright moonlight I don't love. Um I'm okay with the temperature dropping into the night. I think that some of my better nights have come with temperature drops, but I still like that humidity. The problem is, at some point there, you get an intersection between a lot of fog Ooh. and the humidity if the temperatures are That's dropping enough. Point. And I don't love the yeah, I don't love the fog mm. for my own visibility. I don't know. Bashline seemed to think it was pretty harmful to good fishing. He had a theory about it diminishing. Um, you know, the fish's ability to see up. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I buy that a hundred percent, but maybe it's just in my head that I feel like foggy, our foggy nights have not been particularly great nights. Well, has anybody had, Um, anybody here had good success in the fog?
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've had some really good nights in the fog. Boy, I haven't. And I'm not going to say that our best nights were in the, in the fog, but.
1: I'm glad you remember better than me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I remember some particular fish nights, like number uh, for instance and you're going to remember this one like the rock wall fish oh yeah was was, was a, a foggy really foggy night, night.
0: Hmm. yeah was it uh, well dense
3: fog for a long period of time or was it just kind of passing and then lifting it rolled through but i noticed that fish were coming during the fog it
0: didn't care hmm and that was a but
3: night. yeah that was definitely a good night but we've had nights where we're driving home and like Trying to come up with excuses for why it was a tough night, and you're like, well, it was foggy, <laughs> and you know what Bashland says, <laughs> write it off. Not,
1: not our fault. This is like fog's fault. Yeah, totally. This happens in hunting too. There's a lot of weather variables that have debatable effect on hunting. Debatable. That's right. That, There's always an excuse. Biologists. Yeah, they get me all the time. Oh my gosh. Moon. <laughs> I think the that, moon is think, probably the most controversial mm-hmm. that the biologists well, hold on about the light. differ from hunters. Yeah.
0: What about, so we're all in agreement, though, with clear water? Would you rather have clearer mm-hmm. water than, than muddy water? 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah nobody, clear water. not even like muddy water no, in the day. But yeah. I will say I've had a couple memorable nights with dirty water. I went out just because I had the night hmm. off. And I went out and I was I, I was surprised every time. I'm going to say there are a half dozen times I can kind of remember that uh, I had good success in dirty. And it just makes me wonder, like, how do they see it? I get, you they don't see it, I on guess. On top or subsurface? You probably did better subsurface, well, Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Much more subsurface. I don't specifically remember so many of those nights. But yes, subsurface. And um, hmm. that makes sense. Interesting. That makes sense. Taking it down to them. It does. And it, it creates that uh, disturbance in the way. And I used bigger flies and all that. And we'll get into all those kinds of tactics here in future podcasts. Um, that... Crisp night versus humid night is interesting to me. What about cold? In the last podcast, we said we'll do it year-round. But Mm -hmm. weather conditions, do. I think it sounds like you're all saying that you'd prefer a
1: summer night. Yeah. I'll even bleed a little into spring, a little bit into fall, as long as it's still warm. But when the days are cold and the water temps are low, it seems like the feeding spreads out so much throughout the day. And through that 24-hour cycle, that it doesn't necessarily turn on enough of a window at night to be mm. as noticeable. But good call. I, I also think
3: we need to put more hours in pushing those seasons. But I think one of the things that I like about the summer is just it, the fish get a little bit more predictable with the low water. It feels right like, on. Feels like there's a little bit more variability in where they might, where you might find them mm-hmm. in other times of the year. And in the summer, you can kind of pinpoint this is probably where they're going to be That's at. That's
0: nice too. Location. I think there's a really good reason why summertime is thought of as night fishing season. It is usually more successful. And you talked about it in the last podcast there, Trevor. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's the warmer temps in the day that why wouldn't you feed at night under cover of darkness and right in the coolest temps of the day. Yeah, for sure. All right, then let's get into it. So ironically, light is what defines night fishing. In the absence of natural light, it's the moon and stars that provide the angler with sight. Of course, city lights, headlamps, flashlights, and glow-in-the-dark stuff are all factors in the night fishing experience. So in many natural and artificial forms, light draws the lines around night fishing. Trout respond to changing light conditions in the daytime, and every good fisherman recognizes this. We look for shadows on sunny days. We fish at dusk and we fish at dawn. Most anglers are eager to search for trout on cloudy days too. But when the daylight fades and the darkness takes over, trout habits shift dramatically. And that is where this mystery begins. The night angler surely relies on other senses to help feel the fly line or hear a surface take. But without sight, without some light, we are blinded by darkness. Light, therefore, is the principal element of night fishing. But nothing on our rivers exists in pure darkness, no matter how black the night. And this is the most surprising thing that a new night fisherman learns, that it's really not all that dark out there. So let's consider natural and artificial light. Let's talk about how these light sources affect the trout and the angler and the fishing. Austin, you want to talk about natural and artificial light? Sure. Um, So when you think about natural light, uh,
2: that's things like moonlight, starlight, uh, any atmospheric light that would naturally exist. Um, Yeah. Anything that'd be artificial be uh, lights from a town, lights from cars, lights from a bridge, Mm. anything that would produce light outside of the natural universe that
0: would. Sure. So we talked about that on the last podcast and like what good night fishing locations are like, and we're all trying to get away from the artificial light. Yeah. And if, if anybody out there, listen, if what you have, if your location, if what you can get to and fish a lot and really dig into the night game is near a city and you do have those influences of artificial light, like who cares? Go fish it. But in general, we look for natural dark places for kind of a natural night fishing, experience like you can fish in town but the experience and the fishing itself can be pretty different right
1: definitely and i think the experience being so much a part of fishing at night i think it's really tough to want to pursue you know night fishing options where there is a lot of artificial light Mm -hmm. because it really does deplete your ability to engage in and feel like you can really see the areas that you are trying to fish to and there are exceptions to that for sure um, and spots that may be worth fishing despite some artificial light. But I th- also think that the fish that are trying to or that are planning to take advantage of the cover of darkness are also going to be somewhat inhibited by bright artificial light, which is going to be shining into the water, whether it's even just inhibiting their vision as they look up or in giving them a sense of vulnerability. I hear that.
0: I agree with that.
2: So even, let's say we're fishing a, you know one of our local streams or maybe not even local, and there's a local town nearby, and we can see those lights on the horizon. That's artificial light, and whether we like it or not, it may reach the trout stream we're fishing, but it also may reach our own eyes, and we'll get into mm-hmm. that too. But yeah. whether it's in the trout's eyes or our eyes, uh, we can't always get away from artificial light. Mm-hmm. Um, now, cloud cover comes into that equation too. Town um, lights can reflect that uh, into the clouds. Yeah. Some um, fishing in direct city light is is just a really different experience. It
0: is that cloud cover is a good point because well, you guys know one of our popular streams around here. There are I don't know if there's any place where you can really get away on a cloudy night where you can really get away from that influence of one of the couple towns that are nearby. Even if you're a couple miles you know downstream where you oh, I'm not in town, but on those cloudy nights, I was surprised by this when I started night fishing a lot. Those cloudy nights, you're like, wow, that, <laughs> those lights of town go up into the clouds and they just illuminate basically everything in sight. It's not like it's, you know, a light bulb, but it changes things. It's not that pure, let's say, natural
3: dark place with natural night fishing. You can treat it the same way as, as a, a bright sunny day as you get closer to those cities, like the trout are still going to be there because the trout hold there during yeah. the day and they're not going to move way down into the dark sections at night, mm. you know, miles away from the city light. And so you, if, if that's where you're at and if that's what you're trying to fish, then find the darkest place, like find the find the places that are blocked. Nice. Most yeah. from the from the right city on. light. And you're still going to find fish that act the same as those fish that are over in the that's dark. That's
0: a good point. Find the shade you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Right on. So we all prefer this natural light and which kind of gives us a more natural experience. Even during the daytime, I know you guys are always looking for where, like wild trout, wild experiences. So let's talk about moonlight and starlight. Man, you start talking about night fishing, everybody talks about the moon. Oh, <laughs> are you out there in the full moon?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not my favorite. What do you guys think? Darker nights better than bright nights? Is that your preference? For sure. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. I, we,
3: I've experienced like yeah. nights that are so dark, though, mm. that. It really becomes pretty difficult yes. to even pick out shadows at times, <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah, like if you've got like a, a new moon mm-hmm. and it's just I don't I don't know what causes it. Maybe it's time of year, but the stars feel more distant. You <laughs> Maybe know, it's cloudy. And if you too or if, something, yeah, if you're cloudy and not close to a city, you know, mm-hmm. that gets really dark. And then all it's of a sudden, those shadows that you're looking for for accuracy at getting close to the bank, which is what we rely on so much. Mm-hmm. We rely on the shadows against the bank to know how close we Good are to, to getting on the bank. And if you can't see that as well that becomes really really difficult
0: it's a good point there are some really dark nights i've experienced like austin said it's always when the moon is not out you're not near a town and it's cloudy my gauge yeah. is always but i hold my hand up can i see any of my fingers <laughs> most nights you can you can <laughs> see all dark. yeah most yeah. nights you can see your fingers most nights i can see my wedding ring or at least part of it right i certainly can't see the lines on my hands Right, I can't see the joints of my fingers as I flex them, but most nights I can see those that hand really well. But I've had nights, oh, you guys know, you've been in a couple of those, I'm sure. Where man, it's dark, wow, and that is extremely disorienting. And I've never had a good night, and it's my own fault. I, I think it's my own. That's fault. what I was going to say too. Well, yeah, do you I don't think because I think the, the fishing is good those nights. I bet it would be, but maybe the fish are you know disoriented too. Do you think that's possible? Hmm. You think the fish expect or want that little bit of light that we also want? It's a good. That's it's certainly
1: a good
3: not going to hurt the silhouette. I mean, right. Right. That's why. Right. I, that's, why I, that's why I said early on, like like a low crescent moon or something, something that's I giving know. some mm. atmospheric light, but really dim. You know, you want something that's going to be silhouette. Because even when we are going low, we still assume that most likely the trout are seeing our fly from below the fly. Mm -hmm. Even when we're fishing down into the mid, like mid seam, you know, Mm. column, yeah, mid column. Thank you. Even when we're going down mid column, we expect that the trout are probably looking up towards our fly, and and so you want some amount of atmospheric light, be it dim, for that silhouette, like you said, exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's kind of one of our guiding. Principles. I know all four of us believe that, Mm -hmm. that trout are looking up and that they want to see the fly above them. It's very rare anymore that I, I don't know, throw a really, like a heavy scalping that's actually trying to bump the bottom over and over and over and over. Perfecting performance on the water with specialty products designed specifically for every application and species has been the mission of SAGE since its founding in 1980. Proudly made in America, all Sage rods are handcrafted to perfection on a small island in the Pacific Northwest. Today, Sage continues to use the most innovative, world-class materials in their rods and reels, collaborating with experts and relentlessly testing products so they are refined for specialized use. Whether targeting tarpon in the Florida Keys, brook trout in Pennsylvania Spring Creeks, bass in the Midwest, or casting dry flies in Montana, Sage has the right tool for the job. Precision Fly & Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly & Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly & Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure.
1: Trevor, you got something I could tell. Well, I just think it's int- like I would like to know, and I, I haven't been able to find, and I think it probably exists out there because the fisheries folks throughout the U.S. are pretty amazing, but I would really like to know I would like to experience the quantifiable amount of light that trout can still see. Right on. You know, because they have rods and cones similar to humans. It's a little bit of a different eye structure, and their eye is more like a half globe and it just draws in a lot of light Mm -hmm. because of that, because they're not dealing with our kind of shaded, hooded eye. But I would love to know how little light they can still perceive with. And then how does that interact with their lateral line and their ability hmm. to sense vibration? Because, I mean, we operate yes. on this assumption that it's all surface-based because of the silhouetting, and yet you also think, like, the most the most vibration and kind of, like, um disruption, disruption yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, disruption <laughs> right, is occurring like, when you're okay. fishing on the surface. Yeah. And so... What if we're perceiving something as the silhouetting, and the the fish are really painting this vibratory picture, this like au- acoustic picture, right? Just like an <laughs> ultrasound. Um, just right? like That yeah. yeah, just like an ultrasound, but that is able to paint this picture of what's on the surface based on the vibration far more than it is the light that we're thinking about. Uh, I love that. Love it. I don't know. I'm just, I, and I don't know if that's true. Love just, to know the answer to
3: that. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to get into like fly color with you guys. I'm, I'm excited uh, yeah. to talk about that. <laughs> Wine red. Well, I was going to say I I believe in red mm. as part of my fly. I do too. And I I'm just Yeah.
0: We'll get to all that, but hey Josh, you talked about the the, the moon how you would like a little crescent moon sometimes, right? And I'm with you on that. Like it doesn't have to be totally new moon, you know, no moon. I don't like a full moon. You know, I don't want it super bright, but even a a bright moon, even a full moon, like it travels fast you know we all think of that that big light in the sky oh it's like the sun no the moon travels fast compared to the sun so so be aware of its course right and and know the moon rise times and set times and know what angle they're going to be at and then i try to keep if if i'm going to fit and i man i'll fish when the moon's out i don't i care but it's not going to stop me from fishing but i will know what angle the moon is going to be at at what time i'm going out there and then then i like to know what direction it's going to go basically what Um, You know, it's going to sit in the west or the east or whatever. And I will try to keep that moon angle behind the trout, if that makes sense There, Of course, the, the fish are faced into the current, and I'm going to try to keep the moon angle behind the trout. We've talked about this a little bit before, and we've definitely talked about it with what
3: we like to do with the sun. Same thing with the moon, right? and you can follow the same principles with shade as you do with the sun as well. Nice. If you are dealing with ad- adverse moon conditions where it is up ahead of them, it's like some like you should still fish. Like if you've got the opportunity to night fish, you should still fish if you know the sun, if the moon's going to be in front of them. Sometimes you can pick portions of the river that you're not going to deal with that, but you're still always going to have shade. Shade's the same with moonlight as it is yeah. sunlight. You just have to look for it, especially in the summer with the leaves on the trees. There are exactly. big shade
0: lines and and Yeah, great and spots. So some of my favorite nights, and I
2: have a vivid memory with you, Dom, I don't know, six years ago, hmm. are uh, dark nights, like we were saying, without any moon, but just kind of pure starlight where you right can on. look up and it's bright and it's clear and it's nice. And you can you can see the reflection of the stars in the river. Oh, and yeah. wow. uh, nights are dark, but they're not completely black. Yeah. You can see uh, your hand. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You can see the the... You can see your wedding band on your yeah, hand, as Tom said. Yeah. Um, but these trout seem to be very eager in these conditions. Like we're saying, we're not blinding them with uh, moonlight, and we're also not going total blackout conditions. It's sort of like a happy medium somewhere that both we and the trout agree on.
0: Yeah, that's what I think too. That's, I, that's why I asked. Like mm-hmm. When it's really dark and we're struggling to see, maybe the trout do as well. But as Trevor brought up, got the lateral line, something we don't have. Yeah. yeah there's a lot going on there we don't have answers
1: just don't have them we'll never live long enough and to be able to fish long <laughs> enough to get them but it's neat to think about it it is neat to think about and now the next time we fish on a super dark night we're going to keep it in mind you know well i'm going to fish more and, in the fog i'm going to have more confidence in go. the fog now oh you should you, yeah yeah
2: and humidity. I'm going to be looking for humidity now. <laughs> I'm going big on. fish coming into humidity.
1: It's easy to find this here. <laughs> That's right.
0: It's all confidence. It's all confidence. <laughs> Josh catches all the big ones all night long. Any conditions. He's the expert. He's the authority. He's the authority. That's right. said That's, <laughs> that last podcast. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you guys don't think you're the authority. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. I want to say one more thing here about natural light, though, before we move on. Like, trout get used to things. Over a long period of time, trout may adapt to night feeding near a streetlight, for example, in town. They may not sit in the shallows and feed there, but maybe they do because that light's there every night. And the predators, like the overhead, you know, the birds, aren't as active. Maybe trout finally do get comfortable underneath that streetlight, if it's not too bright. And likewise, on a narrower timescale, Trout adjust to the darkness every night, just as they adjust to the rising sun over an hour or so every morning. These transition times are often a period of high activity. I catch a lot of trout within the first hour of real darkness. and Just the same, I catch a lot of trout in the first hour of real daylight when I'm out there at dawn. It seems that trout are, I don't know, grateful for these transitions. And they're used to them. They're ready for them. They expect them. But when the bright moon rises over a hill, lighting up a river after a quiet and starry night, it was dark. It seems as though like, like a reset button is pushed. Most times trout turn off for me. And it takes another hour or so before trout might feed again. Maybe less, if I'm lucky. So too, if you are careless with a flashlight, And suddenly illuminate the river for much time at all, trout will usually just stop feeding. You have thoughts
1: on that, guys? I have a couple of thoughts off the bat. I mean, and and so I'll say say a purely biological um, potential, which is just that the way that color vision and our rods are what are responsible for night vision in our body. Cones are the things that do more of the color vision. I'm going to make this relatively simple. But the longer that we're exposed to light, we, de- yeah. we basically, de- for all you idiots, <laughs> we, we basically so- deplete, we deplete a substance called retinol in our cones and we basically diminish. The longer we're exposed to bright light, the more we diminish our ability to see in less light. So it's a way that our eyes basically do the same thing that you would do with a camera by changing your aperture. Um, our mm. bodies have a, a way of basically reducing the brightness by depleting the substance. And that substance is processed through the liver and it, the approximate amount of time that it takes for that substance to regenerate is 45 minutes to an hour in a, in most mammals and they theorize in most fish. So the, this arbitrary seeming period of time of about an hour that it takes that trout shut off is maybe not so arbitrary in the sense that huh. as the light increases, they may truly have less ability to see or an imperative ability to see. Or if you shine a light in their eyes for long enough, you are actively depleting this substance that is allowing them to maintain sensitive night vision. And and I, and very few trout, I think, in the if you take away one of their senses, are going to feel as Reckless or as aggressive, potentially to feed. So, there could be a reason that that happens as light changes. Not you know, we're talking. We're not talking about daylight. We're just talking about changes at night that could cause them to deplete some of that night sensitivity.
2: Do you think that's more biological, or do you think it is more like general spooking? Like are they just uh, mm. put off because of a threat, or are they just have something actually change within them more?
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. just the dumb guy version. <laughs> Trevor's got the it's smart guy version. It's a fair question, version. right? Because, Spooking us. Well, <laughs> we spook I mean, Them trouts are they them. Them. Okay. Spooked. All right. emotion, <laughs> emotion
2: versus a uh, physical attribute. The mind... Oh, we're dealing the, with the
3: trouts' emotions versus yeah. the... Right. Their Boop. biology. <laughs> um, oh, I'm spooked. Them trouts are spooked. I think,
1: I think uh, wild think wild question. I think creatures are really sensitive to things that fall outside of... What they perceive as normal and routine. And so if you shine a light quickly, I mean, I don't think they have any way of knowing how that's different than lightning. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Like, so, how flash.
2: long do you think the light must mm-hmm. be shined? I mean, excuse
1: me. Yeah. Shined, shown on I think it's uh, shined? the water? Shown. Yeah. It's definitely shown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong about Rapala, so who knows? <laughs> it's a stupid name. Um, I think that <laughs> <laughs> Rob, is a hell of a lure at night. I've been told a hell of a, yeah. Lure at night. Right. We've yeah. all, yep. Anyway. all heard that one. Yep. Um, I, so I don't know, Austin, I think the shorter, the better. I, and I think that we could probably go through some testing on it if we watched the fish while we shone the light on them. But I Sh- know that shined, w- shone shined. <laughs> we, I know that, Yeah, I know. Josh and Dom and I have all shown the light in the shallows at nighttime after we're done fishing. Um, Shined. (laughs) Just go ahead. Now you hear us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were shown the way by our shining lights. (laughs) Oh my! Where are we going here? Right? Come on now. (laughs) Well, it's just weird. Like when when the light is on a fish, they do seem to spook. Um, and but Josh and I have also had an instance where we shone the light on a fish. <laughs> oh yeah, it. tell that story. Tell it. it. So we, it kind of seemed like the fish was sort of apoplectic or like stunned. You know, we shined apoplectic. our headlights on it, and it didn't move, and it sort of seemed stunned in some ways, and just kind of sat there. And we were actually able to net this twenty-plus oh, yeah. inch fish from behind and just kind of like. Enjoy looking at it, and let it go. It was pretty wild though because and we were approaching from downstream of it, so we were coming up from behind it. but the I don't know it was very different than other fish we've noticed, yeah,
3: so it could have been a one off we were walking out of the river, and we were shining our lights directly on it, and so I can't imagine how bright the water was around it, and I, he just didn't really know what to do. He kind of just he yeah. kind of just sat there and kind of squirmed around a little bit, and I mean, yeah. And it, it, we did the same thing that anybody would do. We're like, hey, I'm going to put my net in front of it. And like Trevor touched <laughs> its tail and it swam right into my net and scooped it up.
1: And, <laughs> it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. I find it interesting. You think the trout see pretty
1: similarly to the way we do, huh? Basic structure. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of there being rods and cones and similar substances available within mm-hmm. the eye. But I think... The relative sensitivity and how much better they are at gathering light, and what they, you know, they see a much broader mm-hmm. range, you know, front and back. Their circumference of vision is much greater than ours is sure. because of how their eyes are positioned. But the eye uh, but, design, mm-hmm. is. there's a lot more similarity than difference.
0: Huh, that's cool.
1: Love that. That's why we have the expert here, Austin. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> one re- yeah and that's it's, it, this kind of ties into our discussion on headlamps in, in many ways, right because it does we utilize the different colors at nighttime to help preserve our night vision and um, different light colors exist on different um, wavelengths and those wavelengths deplete our night vision and that retinol at different rates and red light being the most sparing of our night vision, Whereas blue and, and green lights can also be used, which are more depleting of our night vision, but also can create more visibility. So as you move back towards white light, you kind of increase the depletion of the substances that allow us to have accurate night perception and visualization. So most of us choose a red light at night for that reason, because both it seems to deplete and spook wild animals less in some ways because it's less
3: mm-hmm.
1: bright but also it depletes our own night vision much less and so if you're going to spend a few minutes tying on a different fly or rigging or it's really frustrating to use bright white light and really torch your night vision yeah, for a period of time And and because it does take so long for <laughs> night vision to be completely restored it really takes about like I said before almost 45 minutes of pure darkness to fully accommodate and it doesn't mean that it takes 45 minutes for you to see again once you shine a little bright light Mm -hmm. but to get back to where you were it does you Mm -hmm. know so it, it is it's more i think we're more sensitive to it than we even maybe always acknowledge and there's certainly some good rationale to be careful with the use of white light at night yeah so dumb you've you've written a good amount
0: about
2: headlamps and reasons why you choose certain ones over the others and you've uh, touched on the fact that it's important to have a headlamp cycle to red first because of those reasons. You don't want to be standing in the stream or standing on the river bank and mm-hmm. get hit with white light versus red.
0: Uh, would you talk a little bit about your headlamp selection? What you like to use? Well, it's it's just because of what Trevor said. Like I don't want white light basically all night from the time I start fishing until the time I'm done. I'm not turning on my white light unless I catch the fish of the year or the, let's say the fish of the month, right? Unless I get the a really big fish. I'm not turning that white light on. Um, that isn't completely true. We're going to talk about the bank flash here in a second, but that's a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm not turning that white, on, white light on for any more than maybe one second if I do that bank flash. However, I like the red, and I want a lamp, like you're saying, Austin, that starts on red. Not very many lamps do that. So anyway, I use a Princeton Fred. It's called F-R-E-D. It's fr- the it's Princeton Fred. It's like a tactical, I think, mil- it's originally a military light. It's also mm-hmm. not really bright. Uh, many night anglers right away they're like alright I'm gonna get the most lumens that I possibly can I don't want that I don't want a super bright light because even a bright red light will it seems anyway to hurt my it does it hurts my night vision yeah sure yeah. once I have that night vision and like Trevor's saying for me it seems to take I'm gonna say 25 minutes to a half hour before I go hmm I can see now mm. uh, you know what we're saying uh, once I have that I don't I don't want to mess it up and white light really hurts it um, I like that Princeton Fred. There are plenty of well, I don't know about plenty. There are a few other lights that'll kind of give you that feature where you
3: can get right to red and not have to cycle through white. Yeah, one of the cool things now that and and you do have to spend a little bit more. Like I've like the print the Princeton Fred or whatever it's called is mm-hmm. um it's a great budget option like because it's not that expensive mm-hmm. to get and it does the job really well. Mm-hmm. If you do uh, want a little bit more control over everything most of the higher end black diamond lights now Mm -hmm. um which is so i I use uh, it's it's whatever their their waterproof black diamond light Mm -hmm. is and it has settings on it and it has like a memory built into it so you can save your settings in the headlamp and so like and it's not like a you go into settings and you choose it it's (laughs) you hold down the button and if it's set on red then as soon as you press it it's going to start on red Right and if it's set on white, then as soon as you press it, it's going to set on white. Yeah. But then you can dim it and then as you as you release, it saves that. And then if you turn it back on, it's going to remember what you had it set at last. Mm-hmm. And so, and it you could have two settings and so like with with mine, if I my red setting is like set to the dimmest it can get and it's mm-hmm. almost like it's almost like moonlight dim. Like it's like it's just enough for me to see my hands and tie on, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know. And then the flash is i have it pretty bright because i want to spend very little i want to see everything i can pretty quickly and then have it off interesting and so if i if i hold it down then it turns on the bright light and i turn it right back off
1: oh that's know. neat i like that the advantage to that for us has been that we can not we don't carry a separate flashlight other than our uv light for charging mm-hmm. line so it it has seemed to allow minimization of what equipment we're bringing
0: and i've seen yours too they're both. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they're small, yep. seem comfortable, right? Yeah. You said they're, they're waterproof. Yeah. That's a nice feature. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't usually fall in <laughs> with my head on. <laughs> it's underneath.
3: also nice because it's mine's rechargeable. Like I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need cool. to replace batteries. I like
2: that part. You could charge it up on the way to the river, and you know you're not gonna yeah. Yeah. run out of triple A's in the
1: three a.m. Sure. hour or uh, something. Yep.
0: So I use my headlamp mostly for for rigging. You know, and even when I do that with this red lamp that we're talking about, not white and usually dim red, I turn my back to the water. You guys do that? Like, I just don't want any Mm -hmm. light on the water if I can help it. Like, why not eliminate that question in the back of your mind? Like, is this hurt? Just turn away. And I want the dim red lamp, like we're talking about, to preserve that night vision, like like Dr. Smith has already explained. Like, it takes a while to get that back once it's gone, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: And you said, you mentioned the green light and blue light can kind of do Mm -hmm. the the
1: same thing. It's the same thing. It just exists on the spectrum further to the left in terms of wavelength. And so it's going to deplete your night vision more quickly because it has, it more actively depletes the retinol. Mm. Um, But it's for that same reason, you can, it's a brighter light and you can see more with it potentially. Um, It's just you do it at a cost and you also potentially cost spooking fish when you do that as well, depending on which direction you're using it. But I mean, there could exist a case for doing your bank flash with a blue or green or something like that, you know, and playing around with that and seeing whether that was less disturbing than a bright white flash. Trevor, what if I take retinol vitamins? Would that help? (laughs) <laughs> well, carrots. there's two things, retinol. There's like a retinol with an O L and a AL. A L. A pouch of carrots. A L is just something in the eye. <laughs> yeah, retinol or retin A. That's like a cream you use for acne. So there's there's a lot of things named similar things. This but. guy just wants to give us all the information.
3: <laughs> that's yeah, going to be in it. the We're going to do like a nighttime. uh In the vest video, and it's gonna be like a pouch of carrots. (laughs) Like one of the vests is dedicated to to many carrots.
0: Like when you get a cramp, they make you eat bananas. If I lose my night vision, I'm eating carrots. (laughs) Why are we not?
3: I flashed the bank. That's two carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Recharge. I they do like baby it.
1: carrots, baby carrots. Don't don't exaggerate, just little yeah, baby carrots. Yeah, it's carrots. They have vitamin A, and that helps <laughs> rhodopsin production, which is an, another thing. There's so many names in the eye and a lot of little substances, and, and I don't want anyone to get caught up with it. I think the main things people need to know is that it can be depleted. It takes about half an hour to an hour to fully develop your night vision, and then it can be depleted pretty quickly by bright light, especially white light. I hear you. Like, gaining yeah. that night vision is what I think makes us comfortable out there
0: and I'll say like some anglers I think they never give themselves that chance totally, to get comfortable totally. because they yeah. use the lamps too much yep. yep whether it's the headlamp or or the flashlight talk about that like it, personally I have three three lamps on me let's say the headlamp flashlight with a which I'm calling a lamp and then my my cell phone it, in almost like in an emergency I, I I could use that if I needed so I got three lights on me and um well the flashlight to me you guys said you'll use your headlamp for navigation because you have a different Mm -hmm. one than me for years. I've, I've, I guess for all the years, I've always carried a handheld flashlight. It's small. It stays in my pocket. Most times it's far more powerful than my headlamp. This is where I really do want the lumens. And um, I mostly use it for navigation and safety, I suppose. And, and sometimes I use it to kind of scan the water. Like we've Mm -hmm. talked about a few Mm -hmm. times. Often, now, what is the shallows? I like to see if bigger fish are in the shallows where we hope they are. And I also use this to charge up my glow-in-the-dark stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That's what I use my flashlight for. You guys carry a flashlight too or just a headlamp?
2: I've been using the the green light on my headlamp for navigation. Mm. either like relocating or in and out of the stream and then i do have a handheld uh, flashlight on a zinger that can go uh, really intense in brightness or dim down to Mm. really low brightness and i'll use that to charge my fly line
0: um that's what i carry
1: right on we don't carry a flashlight no flashlight no too tough for a flashlight
0: I like the flashlight because I can, well, hold it at different angles than I can my head, right? Like I actually hold my, you guys have seen me do this. I'll hold my arm way up and and kind of spot down into those shallows.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that is cool. That is a nice option.
0: Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten Crew has a case of new trail broken heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well-fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Troutbitten's favorite beer. For over a decade, Smith Creek has designed innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories made to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Check out the all-new tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from billet aluminum and anodized in two eye-catching colors. They hold up to five tippet spools with a spring-loaded plunger that is quick and easy to use. The brand-new Rod Clip Plus comes with a stiff 304 steel pin and integrated carabiner clip, giving you two ways to attach it to your vest or pack. All Smith Creek products are built guide-tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. So I've occasionally mentioned that we use the flashlight to spot trout once in a while. And without clarification, I guess, people mistake this for something else. We don't spot trout and then fish for them. Instead, we'll spot the shallows a bit while relocating or when walking in just to see what is in the shallows on that night. Um, what happens when we do put that light on a good fish, guys?
1: Yeah, they, they're they gone. <laughs> they're, right? they're gone and they're not coming back.
0: For us, um, I mean, right? Yeah. Or, or else they lock up for a second, but they're not going to eat. No, you
1: know? no, for sure. I think there must be like catfish or something that this people are correlating in their mind with spotlighting mm. and then fishing for them or even with hunting, how people will spotlight animals, but it's definitely not a tactic that you could use for trout.
0: Well, there are people I remember arguments about it on uh, it was Facebook or Instagram where guys in Michigan that were floating were mad at other guys who would spot trout and then back up and fish for them and put clients on them and all that kind of stuff and there Interesting. were big arguments about spotting fish and then fishing for mm-hmm. them. And like personally I don't do that. I, I, like I will mark the spot I
1: might come back another Mentally. night. Yeah. And just re- for sure. Like remember that spot as say, hey, that's a good holding lie. Yeah. And right. I don't, I don't even know if I have an ethical problem with it. I mean, hmm. I, you know, if you were fishing in the daytime and you spotted a fish by looking down in the water, I mean, what's the difference? I think right. you're potentially that you're using like technology to help assist, but like guys use fish finders all the time fishing from lakes, you know, for, depth and all sorts of stuff we use. Is it unethical to use polarized glasses just because it helps you see (laughs) under the water, you know? So I I don't know. I think it's easy to be self-righteous about the line across which just you personally won't cross, but. That's fair. And I think if the fish
2: willingly eats, it's not like we're talking about finding it and snagging it.
0: Oh my. Uh, If the fish is
2: willingly eating by its own choice, then I don't know what's, what's so wrong about it. If you play it quick, let it go and it's all right. Hmm. Right. Right. I don't know that it
1: would be as fun. I'm not going to tell you it's wrong. Yeah, right. Really? I I also don't think I would do it, but. I feel differently about it. I do. I feel like it's a, a bit unethical.
0: Like you said, Trevor, like, what's the difference about daytime versus night? Yeah. I do. I feel like, and I've had people even just question the ethics of night fishing in general. Like, hey, just leave the fish alone. (laughs) it's their time you know it's it's nighttime like hey you can fish in the day just give the fish a rest give them a break like why do you have to fish for them at night and it's unsporting just to fish for them at night because they don't you know they can't see you like well i can't see them either but you know anybody there's an argument out there and it's interesting because i kind of follow a little bit differently than you guys do i suppose like i won't spot a fish and then then fish for it i really won't i don't know if it's unethical i'm like yeah i'm not gonna do that I don't know. Yeah. the different
2: well, to be a spot fish, though. I, I feel like I rarely get in the occasion where I'm like, oh, there's one up there that I haven't spooked that I've lit up with a light that I'm going to cast at, and it's not going to go flying off
0: the moment my fly gets near it. Honestly, I'm going to say like hundreds of time, uh, times, a hundred times. <laughs> no, really. I, I, <laughs> I while, believe you. While walking in or out or relocating, and I will, if I'm going to re, relocate a long distance, yeah, and I know. I'll have whatever. I I go ahead and accept that it's going to take me a while to get that pure night vision back. Yeah, I'll spot those shallows and just spot where I'm going to be walking and and because I feel like I I can learn a lot. That's why I do it because I I love learning. Where what trout are doing at night? The truth is though, too, a lot of our waters, most of our waters, we got this limestone green tint to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? There's always a chalkiness to mm-hmm. our waters, even in, on the clearest conditions. I mean, really, you can't see that far through our waters. We don't have gin clear streams. Um, right. But no, Austin, I'm, I've seen a lot of trout and uh, bigger trout, whatever, mid-teens, high-teens, and bigger. Uh, through the years, I go, ooh, that's a big one. They usually bolt. They usually get right out of there. And that's what I mean. Like, are you walking
2: up really close to them to the point where no. by the time you spot them, they're, they're already, like, already on to you?
0: Oh, I agree. They're definitely on to me, right? And so I don't even try to fish for them, I, but I do mark the spot. Like I said, I go, okay. yeah. And then I'll, I'll start thinking about other spots that have really similar characteristics. You know, was that extra close to the bank, but it had a good riffle in it, okay? And so I might start treating those kind of spots as my prime locations that I'm going to target next.
3: It's pretty wild, though, how you when your lights are on like that, you can see that some of those trout are hanging in super nondescript water. Mm-hmm. like there's nothing there mm-hmm. there's not I mean and, and maybe that's what's strong in there is that there's no current and it's easy to hunt I don't know, you know good point Josh what's your take on if it's ethical to fish for a uh, a trout you spotted with a light are you, are you referring to coming back for that fish that you spotted or fishing for it yeah right? like you see it and now you're going to fish for
0: it turn a light off and fish for it do you do mm-hmm. that or no
3: I don't think it would work
0: Yeah, I agree.
3: I I I, I don't know that I would try it. Yeah. Do you think it's wrong if you did? No. Right. I don't Hmm. think it's wrong. Hmm. Ethically, I don't know that it. I don't know that it makes any difference. I mean, you're probably not going to be successful. Like we, you know, Trevor and I netted that fish just because we. (laughs) He was blinded. You know, basically, I think he was blinded by white light. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway, that was that's good. So we're all kind of in agreement then. I think. Do we all agree that light on the water spooks trout? It doesn't even have to be directly on the trout, but just on the water around it. it, spook it generally?
1: Yes. Yes, when it falls outside of the fish's normal routine. I mean, if that fish is used to cars turning around in a parking lot and it shines mm. their headlights over the water there, Good they call. know that that's, that's routine. That happens, it, yeah. It's happens. It happens every night. And if they got spooked by that, they'd never eat. And so mm. they, they don't. They learn and they adapt. And we've even seen other examples of how fish re, like trout respond to pressure with these subtle changes in their behavior and even genetics, like that term of epigenetics, how trout populations will change in a certain area based on pressure, mm. that you absolutely get changes in behavior based on the trout's experience in a particular area. And if it's an area next to a factory, if it's an area next to a highway, whatever it is, they're going to experience more and different light. Mm -hmm. And as long as it's in their routine, I think they don't get spooked by it. But yes, light outside of their routine at night, I do think spooks them.
3: I think that's why the bank flash doesn't really spook them is because it it imitates a heat lightning, you know, a storm in the distance, anything like that. Mm -hmm.
1: We've brought this up multiple times now. Guys, what's the bank flash? It's the sub one second flash of light on the bank just to get your bearings and know how what your depth is there, how far you need to cast, is there an overhanging mm-hmm. branch, what was the structure, I, I don't quite remember it. We try to minimize it as much as possible. And I'd say on good nights in familiar water, I do it almost never. Mm-hmm. But in less familiar water or places where I'm a little less sure, I might be more prone to doing it. Right. And, I, and we've still had success fishing over water that we've done a bank flash on. Although oh, yeah. That's
0: why we do it. Oh, lots right. of times, yeah. And, yeah. And you
1: sort of are always balancing that. Like, is it better to get closer to the bank with my cast because now I know how far away the bank is? Or right. did I just spook the fish that I'm trying to cast to? And so you can never shine it for too little time, you know, as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah,
3: um, That's the amazing yeah. thing is how, how quickly your, your brain can paint a mental picture. You just, just, you just yes. it's, mm. it's like, you know nice. how you see those words, like you, the human brain doesn't need to see the all the in-between letters. You just need to see hmm. the first and the last and all yeah. the yes. little ones can be jumbled up. It's like yep. the same thing. You just need mm. to see it just for an instant. And mm-hmm. your brain kind of paints that picture and says, I know how, what we're looking for is depth primarily. Like depth of field is what we're looking for. We want to know how far to cast. Like how far is the bank? Is Mm -hmm. is what I'm seeing in the shadows accurate with where I think the bank is? Yeah, And it only takes an instant for your brain to paint a picture of that.
0: And I don't feel like it makes that much difference to the trout. Does it help? No. You know, does it turn some fish off? (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it does. Would I rather just keep it everything dark? Well, sure. But if, you know, if I'm lost out there, basically I'll bank flash.
3: Yeah if, you, yeah, if it's, a, like Trevor said, if it's unfamiliar water, but also if it's just a slow night, like what are you going to hurt? You're going yeah, right. to keep it slow? Like, like <laughs> right. go for it. Try to get more accurate. And on a lot of those slow
0: nights getting oh, inches from the structure instead of a foot away from the structure, whether that's bank or a so rock a or difference. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so then all of a sudden you bank flash and you catch a fish. And you go, Oh, no wonder because I got a better more accurate cast right where it needed to be instead of three feet away from where it needed to be. Right, it's
3: not that the light turned them on. It's that you got more (laughs) accurate. (laughs) Certainly not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: I don't think any of us believe that uh, any light on a trout is going to turn them on. I don't, yeah. Hey, let's move into glow-in-the-dark stuff. I think I told the story before how our buddy Sloop uh, gifted me with a glow-in-the-dark fly line that he found on a trip out west. Slooper. Slooper. Just in a random clearance bin for like 10 bucks, he said. And that was, I'm going to say, 10 or 15 years ago. And until then, I'd been trying to make something that would give me a reference point in the dark. I'd been night fishing for years, and I did it like you were supposed to do. And I'd been buying glow-in-the-dark yarn, glow-in-the-dark tubing, like silicone tubing in really small diameters, indicators, of course, and and different glow-in-the-dark foam in different placements on my leader. I was painting different lines, like monofilament, and then I even painted a fly line with glow-in-the-dark paint that you could buy at the hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing worked well at all. And I'd read the stories and the recommendations. Again, I was doing how you're supposed to do it, about fishing in total darkness, about never turning any light on, about not even taking a flashlight with you, let alone turning it on. And certainly no one talked or wrote about glow-in-the-dark lines or bobbers of any kind that, that I was aware of. But I was curious because I was kind of lost out there. And I was catching fish, but I knew that if I could have just a small reference, something that would guide my accuracy, like my drift speed and my strike detection, that I could do a whole lot better. Because again, I was kind of lost. And that line that Sloop gave me just changed everything. And I finally had what I needed. I remember, I'll always remember that first night I used it, I just, it was just, like a miracle to me. I think this it, this is <laughs> it. works. It. It, it, oh, and it did. Whatever. I, I caught a few extra fish that night, but just the confidence that it gave me is something that I was just looking for for, for so long. Yeah. yeah. And it just changed the night game for me. Have you guys ever fished without a glow line?
3: <laughs> yeah, I remember sure. the first time I tried to do it, the first handful of times, I, the loon makes a glow-in-the-dark putty. Good, okay, right yes to make like i have a, that like a, right yeah. over there on the shelf yes. oh boy it does not work and that's no. not like it's loon it's just like <laughs> it's just it's just the nature of what we're trying to do you're trying not to take big like enough yeah exactly exactly and trying to use that with a standard rig is so much more difficult yeah than yeah because you're yep. uh, in addition to because it has to go on your really it has to go on your leader like it doesn't make any sense to build up more bulk on the end of your fly line with that oh, stuff with the because body. it really yeah. gets bulky yeah exactly I know. and so it has to go in your leader and and once it gets the little bit of glow that it can keep once it's subsurface it doesn't do anything and right. so that's that was brutal and and i think realistically i think that after doing it for so many nights now i i've gone really long bouts throughout the night without actually charging and Mm -hmm. and it hasn't necessarily hurt the fishing and i think that now perhaps it there are some nights depending on the amount of light that's out there that you could do go with that i could go without Mm -hmm. but it is extremely helpful to have that little bit of glow to know i know that my flies are in this line Mm. eight feet beyond nine feet beyond ten feet beyond this this lighted spot
1: this lit spot that's well said I feel like even the moment my line hits the water and I see the current's effect on that line, I already know a lot about that particular water that I'm in and if I'm where I Mm want to be. And if I've found success in certain water types at night, I may very quickly be able to target that water just based on how the effect of the current is making my line move, Um, which again is just this extension of your senses to be able to pull so much information from that glow line as it hits the water because you can tell so much about it. Yeah. Um, I also get, I get, I have become very tied to the specific length of leader that I use at night because mm-hmm. I know its length yes. from the end of my glow tip. And so even a foot of difference I've found makes a huge difference to me right. in terms of my ability to accurately hit targets because I'm so tied into <laughs> this, you know, leader. consistency. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's Absolutely. one of those things
3: that you don't have to think about during the day because right. you can see exactly mm-hmm. that little plot where your nymphs or whatever are <laughs> sure. casting land. But then you try it at night, and all of a sudden, wait, I have no idea where this is landing. And and that I was I was I was about to say that the accuracy means more at night, but it doesn't. It's just a lot harder to achieve at night. And mm, so having right. any reference that you can to where your fly is and where it's landing is critical.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it is for sure.
2: I fish a glue line, too. I fish the SA. I know Rio makes one.
0: Um, yeah. I, I usually SA charge, like, right the now. first
2: foot or two. I don't like to charge a, a large section, of line, just Good point. Uh, one for convenience, and then two, I feel like it's just one less thing of light I have to put disturbance over the fish for. Good call. And kind of like you were saying, too, Josh, the, the more I fish at night, the less I rely or depend on yeah. that uh, on that fly line. Because uh, I get more comfortable with my imagination and my mental image, mm-hmm. and uh, just my awareness
3: of what's going on uh, without the light. Yeah, and you, you, and just because it's not a fly line is not glowing bright, doesn't mean that it's not that you don't have a reference because you charged yeah. it a half hour ago. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I've gone a long time without charging it, and it it holds these lines that we're talking about the Scientific Anglers one, the Rio one. They mm-hmm. they hold light enough for your eyes to see for a very long time without mm-hmm. charging. Yeah, And they're white in the daylight. I mean, they're white exactly. too. Yeah. So if you have yeah, any kind of
0: that moonlight, especially, and even starlight perhaps, um, you're still going to see a faint, faint white fly line out there. For sure. And under, under some conditions. <laughs> These are usually yeah. kind of powerful weight forward lines. Again, I yeah. like what Austin said. I, 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 I'm the same. I'll charge like between two and eight feet, depending
3: on the night. Yeah, and the, the, the value in charging a little bit more is to see the direction that your line is headed. Right on. It depends if you just on the, the If you just charge a couple inches, then it's like, that doesn't give me a great no. idea on which direction my fly is in in that line. Mm-hmm. If you charge a little bit more, then you see you see the orientation of the line, and you've got a pretty good idea of exactly where your fly is if you can't see where it's at.
0: Well, like Trevor was saying, I mean, these glow-in-the-dark fly lines, they tell you everything about the drift.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, almost yeah. everything, like the speed. That your that your fly line is going, and then that attached leader. Which I'm the same as you. I want mine's seven and a half, eight feet, and so I know that the speed. I know the angle that it's going. On. I kinda, I see the curve in the fly line, so I know what curve is going into my uh, leader, and I know where my fly is then, and I know what kind of tension I have to it. You know, I can tell if yeah. I don't really have that tension. Maybe sometimes on purpose, and then there's strike detection there too. It just tells you everything that you need to know. There's there's still plenty of questions, but
3: boy, it helps. It also helps with like the the method of retrieval with knowing exactly what you're doing. Like if you're if you're stripping, then you can see that kind of popping off the water and you can choose yeah, your yeah. distance based on They're that done. like how, yep. how much to strip. I for sure, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about this in, in later episodes, but the that lift and wiggle that we've mentioned in the oh, past. Oh yeah. But man, I rely so much on seeing the fly line because the fly line usually for that retrieve sits mm. about three feet off the water for me, the tip of the fly line. Nice. And I rely on like a certain width of vibration for my favorite kind of version of that retrieve. Mm. And, and that's what gives me that, that tactile uh, feedback that I'm getting the retrieve that I want without being able to see the wake that the fly is making. Mm-hmm. Do you
1: guys ever think they spook
0: the fish? That's the first question, right? I remember right away I was like, Oh, this is just gonna spook fish. But <laughs> right. then instead of catching fewer fish, you catch, you more, catch fish. more. I know. That's how I it's felt like, too. I mean the pros like, outweigh the cons. Exactly. Sure. It's just like you know, the bank flash, like we were saying. Right. Is it gonna spook some fish? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But are you gonna fish better? Oh, definitely. Right. Right?
1: So it's worth it.
0: Right. There's a trade off. And man, I don't know about you guys, but it just seems like the fish don't care. Yeah, I mean, we got it, again, a seven, eight foot, whatever, however long you want it to be. Mine's seven or eight feet of a leader, and they don't seem to care about that that glowing line that's eight feet away.
2: Kind of yeah. makes me think about, like, we talk about if trout are leader shy or not. Right. Or are they right. poor drift shy? So is it mm-hmm. the same thing at night where are they not necessarily glow in the dark line shy, or they just <laughs> shy to whatever weird offering you might be giving them? Yeah,
0: right, yeah, right. right. Why is that totally. Pendragon doing that? I'm not even. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so, you guys have talked about the. Uh, you carry a UV light. Uh, mm-hmm. You think that matters
1: for charging the glow in the dark line? I certainly think it's fast. It's fast and it's high. To, and yeah, and the way that I do it and keeping it in my palm face right. down is that it doesn't change my vision. So, I just keep. I, I pull, basically I point the light straight down into my palm and I pull mm-hmm. a little, sec I pull that section of line straight through my hand. So the light is always faced away from me. It's into my palm. It's not on the water. And then the, you know, so it's fast and efficient. And mm-hmm. I have that little tying UV light on a retractor on my chest rig tucked mm-hmm. in into a outside pocket. So
3: it's super convenient to just pull it out. you also don't have to coil it up at all like you you know with and maybe that's the case with a high powered flashlight as well but Mm -hmm. with a uv light it's got it's got all the the the, you know i don't i don't know a lot about this but the uv light has all the properties it needs to charge it pretty much instantly you guys think it charges faster and lasts longer well I i think it charges faster i don't know if it lasts longer then like a like a, like I think that a one like a one second charge because I do the same thing that Trevor does. I mm-hmm. hold I hold the flashlight against my hand against my palm and I pull I, what actually what I do is I kind of I make a cup with my hand and the mm-hmm. light sits in that cup so mm-hmm. no light can really escape. Yeah. And I pull a strand of the you know I, I pull the line through one of my fingers and it just goes right against the light as it passes through and all it takes is I mean it's not even a second you know. Like I'm not coiling the line up and then missing yeah. chunks of the line because so you're charging like other, one inch at a time. No, no, we're charging uh, like six feet I'll at do. a time. No, 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 just,
2: no, I mean when it's under the light though, like how long do you have uh, to, yeah, to exactly pull it in under whatever the, the
3: light? Whatever the whatever the width of the light is is what you're charging I pull at a time. It, I pull so, yes. it at about a
1: six inches a second, maybe.
3: Okay. Three. I guess that's yeah. Okay. Answer it's pretty I, it's yeah. It's pretty quick and it lasts about ten casts before it starts to dim. At and all, that yeah, and that doesn't even matter because a dim light is just as good as a bright light to mm-hmm. us. Sometimes better, know? as long mm-hmm. as you can see the the tip and the direction, that's fine. Right on. And so you just like it. I I I mean, I mean, it goes right through my between my pinky and my ring finger, and the light mm-hmm. sits right there in that in in that pocket, and you just pull it through at a relatively fast pace. It's lit up for about four or five, six feet, and then you're back at it. Right on and it takes no thought or time. UV light, the reason that it really works as well as it does is just that
1: UV light has a really short wavelength and so it penetrates much more easily, which is part of what makes UV light dangerous, but it penetrates the phosphor, which is the glow-in-the-dark material, more deeply. And mm. and that results in more excitation of the phosphor atoms and that emit the photons that we then see in the visible spectrum. <laughs> Oh, so, shit, I was just about to say that. He took words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's why a short charge results in what seems like it lasts longer because that activation mm-hmm. is occurring deeper within that material to the, to the full depth of that material rather than an external kind so of. You just Google that, or you or just you pull cla- that out of your head. Mm-hmm. Just
3: classic mm-hmm. phosphor atoms.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 i will say i've gone back and forth from the to, from the uv to just carrying the keeping the regular handheld flashlight and using that right now i'm still i'm back to the handheld because bringing the uv for me then now i have what two handheld flashlights with me and i could do like you are saying trevor and rig it differently all i'm saying is to anybody out there you don't have to bring a uv light out i totally agree though that it charges it faster i don't know that it lasts longer uh, in my experience, but maybe maybe by a slight margin, ten percent or something like that. But I certainly sure. admit that it it cat or it uh, it charges deeper, let's say, and so much faster. Whatever. It mm. looks like a
3: lightsaber when you're pulling it out. <laughs> it because does. It's pretty it wild. It charges it's pretty, so yeah. fast. Everybody yeah. should
1: go on YouTube and watch the night fishing episode of mm-hmm. me and Josh, and just right. You we tried to that. capture it because it is so cool looking in real life, and it's hard to do with the limitations of cameras at nighttime, but it's like it you're extruding
0: cool. glow-in-the-dark line. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's neat. All right, so we we use the uh, glow-in-the-dark fly lines uh, almost every night, right? Probably every night. We don't always have them super illuminated, though, right? Uh, right. Now, glow-in-the-dark cider. Uh, briefly explain that. I, I Once I started using a glow-in-the-dark fly line, I was like, well, I told you guys that I started around that time too saying, man, I need to, on these slow nights, I need to be able to nymph. And there are a few different ways to do it, but we all like tight line nymphing tactics. And what I decided to do is take uh, about 20 inches of the running line portion, the back line, the back part where it attaches to your backing, right? I took the running line portion of the -the glow-in-the-dark fly line, which glows, 20 inches of it, cut it off, put a nail knot on each side, put some tippet rings in there, and there, I have a night cider. It's heavier than a regular sighter. Of course it is. You know, it's uh, 0.022 inches instead of, I don't know, 1X or 0x or something like that. However, the things that I'm doing when I'm nymphing at night, that doesn't really matter and I work with it. So it's great for tightline tactics. And that could be nymphs or streamers. Maybe I just want to do tightline stuff with my streamers. And it doesn't mean I'm always trying to get dead drifts. It's just simply a good, it's a great tool this night cider is a great tool for putting in a tight line rig, whether that's this mono rig that we talk about so much, or you could call it a Euro nymphing rig. Put that in the middle, right where you would put your cider, see what happens. Do your daytime tactics and use it that way. And sometimes I'll even add it then to the end of a regular fly line. I've had a couple friends go out with me who did not have any night fishing experience. And again, I remember feeling like, man, I just need a reference point. I need something to know what I'm doing out there. And they didn't want a nymph at night, and I didn't want them to nymph at night. I wanted them to swing wet flies or mouse or do mouse emerger stuff like we'll talk about here in future podcasts. So I didn't want them throwing a tight line stuff at night. That's almost too complicated to get into the night game with. But I took the night cider, and I attached it basically to the end of their regular fly line. So at the end of their fly line, they had a 20-inch piece of now another kind of fly line um, that glows. And we kept that illuminated for most of the night. And then we put a regular, whatever, seven, eight foot leader on the end of that and threw mouse patterns or the bad mother (laughs) that we'll talk or wet flies, whatever. And that is a really invaluable tool that like opens up what you can do out there because it allows you to get drifts without tension too. That's the thing. Like at night, most of the tactics that we do at night are tension-based. We're swinging flies, you know, we're we're stripping because they're even with the glow-in-the-dark fly line, we still find that having that tension, well, then it gives you the feel, the, the, that tangible feel to the presentation. Totally. And, yeah. and that's what most night tactics are based on. And sure. Again, we're going to get into all this, but having that night cider, especially when it's attached to some kind of tight line system, yeah. in our case, usually this standard mono rig, really allows you then to get tensionless presentations or go with less tension you can basically get dead drifts yeah you know instead of trying to be in touch pure contact so you can feel feel everything that's going on uh -uh. you can just read the cider just like you would in the daytime it's a pretty amazing tool for me it really opened things up and i just remember almost giggling out there i was like this is awesome i can do what i do in the daytime now so cool just do it a little different we're gonna have a full podcast on night nymphing we'll get into more of that cool so, real quick, because we're talking about glow in the dark stuff, I mean, we use uh, glow in the dark, uh, they make thingamabobbers. I don't think airlock banks glow in the dark, but I have glow in the dark thingamabobbers that are remarkably bright for a long period of time. It's like this little glowing globe
3: that is just out there. That's funny. I've had the exact opposite. I've my thing, I was actually going to mention it. The thingamabobbers that I have, maybe it's a batch thing, but the thingamabobbers huh. that I have are uh, underwhelming. No kidding. Yeah, I, think I feel the right. same as
2: you, Josh. I feel like mine aren't oh, that man. good.
3: You what did you? what? So, you, where'd, where'd you buy what your you, thingamabobbers?
0: Maybe. Would you dip them in?
2: <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> a
3: hardware store paint.
1: <laughs> maybe yours are that. <laughs> <man,
3: laughs> I see them well. Man, uh, mine—they last mine, a long time. Uh, I feel like the the line holds a way better charge than my thingamabobbers. Oh, like, I don't. Mine disappear. Hmm. Well, just as well, I would say. I they're like pretty they're... big too. Like they're they're, uh, they're the they're the half inch ones you know i've got little ones also i have the little
0: ones too yeah i i was using those a lot before i got the glow in the dark fly line and cool. i was trying to yeah yeah i was even trying to do kind of almost tight line stuff with the with glow in the dark yarn and the small uh glow in the dark bobber i yeah i usually charge them with the flashlight maybe it's a uv thing maybe they don't take the uv light all that well my favorite use
2: for the glow in the dark indicator is daytime fishing because it looks, oh yeah, <laughs> it yeah. looks the <laughs> like most a natural. It's like a bubble, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm with, I'm with you
3: there. I use those. That's true. Those are That's almost funny. exclusively what I use. That not to That's a- derail the uh, intention, but no, the white and the glow in the dark are primarily what I own. Same and yes. yellow. they yeah, trout eat yellow bobbers better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you,
2: and Bill fishes the pink bobbers.
0: Yeah, of course it's Bill. Yeah, it's Bill. notice he's not here
3: because he's afraid of the dark. <laughs> It's true. Just getting that out there. Please leave that in there.
0: No, but we'll talk more about uh, glow-in-the-dark uh, stuff like that for nymphing in the Nymphing Podcast. The last thing on glow-in-the-dark stuff, guys. Uh, what about glow-in-the-dark flies? Have you fished them underneath or on top?
3: Nope. I have a I have a chunk of foam that's glow-in-the-dark that'll tie like mm-hmm. little tags in, as not necessarily as flotation devices for the fly, so if I'm tying like a bad mother, which I I don't usually tie foam into a Pendragon, which is a slightly larger fly. But if I'm fishing mm-hmm. a bad mother, I generally tie a foam, a foam tab into there. And yeah. occasionally I'll put a second tab because normally I just like a big, like a big black foam tab because I don't want, sure. if I shine a light on it, I don't want that whole thing to glow because right. my assumption is that it's going to hurt. They me. might shy away from it. They might shy away from it. Exactly. But I will put a small second tab that is about half the size of the larger mm-hmm. tab. Like it's still gonna float the the front half of the fly. But I can this see as
0: a reference. I've done that. And I I've put foam glowing foam on on plenty of flies. I don't do it much anymore because with that glow in the dark fly line and the seven, eight foot
3: leader, I know where my fly is. So I feel like I Yeah, you can see the way yeah. if you're on top, you can certainly see the weight, like the wake. On, in the right light yeah. on the right night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've only used
2: them on, uh, like say large Drake patterns at night,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: it's, it's also foam and it's glow foam to the point, um, or it's only the top of the fly. So it's right. not like the fish is looking straight up and seeing a glowing object. Right. Uh, it may see some residual light. I really doubt it, but, uh, it's more for uh, visual aid than like trying to turn a fish on. If that was an intention either. My problem with,
0: that has been that it need that you need to have a big enough piece of glow in the dark whatever to be able to really see it, and you need a dark enough night for that to show up, and you do need to keep charging it. You know, if it's a real small piece on the top of a drake. Yeah, and there's also
2: uh, glow in the dark uh, macrame yarn that you can use yeah, for posts right and wings.
3: So I yep. sometimes can combine those, and it can get really bright. Yeah. Just this week, I got a text from a buddy of mine who sent it's squirmy wormy material mm-hmm. but it's glow in the dark but it's uv yeah and you can glow in, yeah see, it's, it's, no. it's glow in the dark and so you can charge it up and uh and he was like do you think this would work for for nymphing at night i'm like gosh who knows um maybe after maybe if you charge it and then let it sit for a few minutes and have like a really subtle glow mm-hmm. potentially you know i wouldn't want it to be like a harsh glow i'd want to charge it and then wait a while mm. you know
0: so I used that uh, glow-in-the-dark squirmy stuff quite a bit. I bet I eh, logged 10, 15, 20 hours on that stuff. And um, I couldn't catch fish on it. Maybe. I, I don't remember ever catching a fish on it. I've also used glow-in-the-dark paint on like jig heads and stuff like that. And I've tried keeping them real bright. And I've tried get, letting them get dim, like you're saying, Josh. Very little success. Now that is 20, 30, 40, 50 hours of that kind of testing is not much from one guy. Mm-hmm. and one or two waters, it's not enough. It's not enough to really say something. Um, I told you guys, I was just, uh, I just got back from, you know, a saltwater trip. (laughs) Our family vacations become saltwater fishing trips. And I fished at night (laughs) and uh, actually had a glow-in-the-dark bucktail that I didn't catch fish on. But I put (laughs) a a very dark, well, it's a wine-colored bucktail on. Aiden was with me, my youngest son there. And we got the biggest fluke that I've caught in, in cool. all the years I've been fishing there. wow so little night fishing in the surf love it that's cool super cool but it didn't take the glow in the dark one
1: interesting
3: I think there's so little chance that they ever see something actually glowing in the water that it is just unnatural to mm-hmm. them to, to actually eat something that's on the fly
0: in salt water there's stuff that glows right right there? sure I mean yeah science oh, man
1: but most of the bioluminescence stuff is like deep, deep ocean stuff.
3: <laughs> I don't know about trout rivers. Yeah, but <laughs> not, not, much in, not much in the no, shallows, right? No. Even there, it's not much in the shallows. Right. That's, all, that's all deep water stuff. Mm, yep. All right, so anything else, guys, before we
0: get
1: out of here? Take it and run.
3: <laughs> Let's get out of here.
0: All right, there it is. Lights, night fishing. It always comes down to what we can see and what we can't. Of course we use our other senses. And yes, those senses are heightened, and we often rely on feel more than our limited sight in the relative darkness. But it is not pitch black out there, especially when we attain and then preserve good night vision. So we navigate the evening from shadows and outlines, pitching unseen flies beyond the visible perimeter and tracking those flies through the feel of a line in our hand by sensing the load on our rod tip and by sometimes following something that glows in the dark. Light affects the fishing. But it also affects the fish, and while trout seem to prefer darker nights, they might also feed better with a few stars in the sky for a nightlight. All right, next week we begin an exploration of tactics for the night game, starting with drifting versus swinging flies, because this is the fundamental decision to make in presentation, regardless of the flies we choose. So, see you then. Dr. Trevor Smith, will you read us
1: out? Appreciate the introduction. Uh Uh-huh. Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 1,000 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tips series, in collaboration with Wild Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. He was on a mission
3: there. He was like, let's get this done. Man. There's
1: no
2: pause.
3: <laughs> <laughs> life on the Water. <laughs>
0: It can get
2: really bright. Or oh, dealing with the trout's emotions versus the their biology. Big fish coming in the humidity. I did 100 push ups today. You probably did them on your knees.
0: Them trouts are spooked.
2: Thank
3: goodness. A little pouch of carrots on your vest. <laughs> Must recharge. Gosh,
0: dang it. Most of the stuff everybody reads about everybody. Something wrong, Trevor?
1: No, sorry. I was just mimicking your finger. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Making <laughs> I feel fun like of me. Just trying to get us
2: through. <laughs>